What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, baby. Hello, my love. Um, I'm just gonna turn your mic up a little there. Can people tell how far apart we're sitting right now? Because we, no. I'm, we're literally leaning against walls on opposite sides of the room. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, we are not in our normal recording studio. That is a that is a fact. We yeah. are. We're on Prince Edward Island. Yes, we are on the island once again, uh, and uh, and. Exciting news. This is kind of like, uh, aside from the fact that we're on PEI, today is World World Sexual Sexual Health Health Day. Day. Who said it? Who who called it? Who said it best? Who said it best? Well, it's, um, so yeah, so today, September 4th, um, since 2010, World Sexual Health Day, uh, this is what pops up when you Google it. It's a, it's an awareness day managed by the World Association for Sexual Health, a global advocacy organization committed to promoting best practices in sexual health. And I guess we're we're participating. Yes, we are because in World Sexual Health Day. It just happens to obviously fall on a Wednesday. Day. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the day that we release our episodes. Um, my right. my mic is sounding weird. I can't. I gotta I gotta look into our gear. Anyway, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like our... What is going on? Anyway, whatever. 
Maybe you should take your headphones off if it's if it's bugging you. It is. Uh, it is kind of getting to me. Um, yeah. So World Sexual Health Day. Uh, that's exciting. It is, and it's uh, it's actually so as I've talked about plenty. I've been. Um, you know, we have this podcast. I've been working on another podcast as well that's all about reproductive and sexual health. And it's like, it's a much, the scope of what falls under that is huge, much huger than we ever were educated on in our, you know, coming up years through the public school system. Well, I mean, you literally just said world se- this World Sexual Health Day mm-hmm. has been around since... 2010. Literally less than 10 years. Yeah. That's that's isn't interesting. That kinda, isn't that kind of crazy? Well, I mean, it's not like the organization has only been around. It's like the day. So I mean, no, like, right. when is when's French Mastiff Appreciation Day? When's that happening? As soon as we started, I guess. Yeah. Then, well, I appreciate Big B every single day. Oh. And he's a French Mastiff, so I guess. But when is World French Mastiff Appreciation Day? I guess. Yeah. I guess it's whenever is we it started. But but okay, sure. But not everybody has a French Mastiff. Almost everybody has sex. Excellent point. And so, and and have been forever. So isn't that, I mean, isn't there something a little telling about the fact that World Sexual Health Day has only been around for nine, nine years? Well, yeah, totally. I think, you know, some of the research that we did, that I did in preparation for today's episode um, was looking into was looking into like what large Canadian organizations are saying about the role that sexual health plays in our overall well-being. And I don't think that I've ever heard anybody other than us saying it to each other, um, that it's important that, that, yeah, I just never ever heard any other sort of public organization talk about that being a key component to wellness. Well, there's some people out there uh, making a difference and and doing things just like that. Uh, Trojan being one, Mm -hmm. which... We'll get to it a, li- a little bit in the episode, but uh, uh, this episode is is actually brought to you in part by Trojan, mm-hmm. um, and and we're going to hear about some of the amazing work that they're up to with uh, along with Secan, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later as well. I love that. Um, but before we get into that, let's uh, let's kind of dive into our normal um, our our normal foreplay segment. Um, speaking of World Sexual Health Day. How is your sexual health, Brady? How do you how do you feel about your sexual health? Right now? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. My libido is definitely waning at the moment. Um, I I went through like a really intense spike of like of high strong libido. I don't I don't know how to describe libido and if that's those are the verbs you use or the adjectives you use to describe libido, but I mean it makes sense to strong me. Strong and weak or sure. big and little? I think it's whatever you make it. I mean, what is your libido world world libido day? It's whenever you it's whatever you make it. <laughs> okay, I think uh I think I've been <clears throat> under quite a bit more stress with work lately. Um the last like month things have really picked up to the point where I'm like just keeping my head afloat you know those those times when you're like just juggling you're juggling so hard just keep swimming just keep swimming 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 like that yeah so swimming or juggling whatever we're doing it's really it's been really stressful so i think that that's it's having really, an effect on your libido it is yeah especially because it's really hard <laughs> for me to go from 110 at work and I'm doing I'm talking like 12 to 14 hour days in front of my computer 
to actually like feeling connected to my body and like ready to relax my mind and like set down the things that I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. The only way I know how to do that is to write everything down so that I know I can stop thinking about it so I can stop carrying it around in my head. But I find it that that transition really hard. And then it, it gets, it gets even harder when, when it's like you have an actual person, an actual like partner in front of you. That's like, Hey, what about me? What about me? I also have needs. And, and I don't know what it is, but sometimes when I feel that, energy like when I feel like I'm falling short or this person needs something that I'm not providing it just pushes you even further oh yeah Yeah. then it's just like I am so disconnected from pleasure it all feels like responsibility huh I think I'm going through a similar thing oh yeah maybe our our moon cycles have synced up yeah um in some way because I, I am going through something a little bit similar. I, it's less about work because I'm not really stressed about work. I'm actually really excited. Yeah. I'm excited for work to swallow me up because I haven't really done much this summer in terms yeah. of work. I mean, it's been pretty chill. It's going to be good to get back on the, yeah, on, and on like, the grind. Yeah. And I mean, when this episode comes out, I'll be in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, And so I'm kind of looking forward to that because I feel like it's going to be a nice like Wow, this is going to sound so unhealthy. It's going to sound like it's it's going to feel like a nice distraction, right? Um, I've just been—I don't know, man. I've just been feeling really like low, like low in my own self confidence. Okay. I don't know. What do you think that? Where is that? Just from? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I haven't really been taking care of myself. Right. I, I feel like this. We talk about this every fucking week. Like physically, mentally, uh, what do you mean? Yeah, both. Yeah. So I started, I, I've started microdosing psilocybin. Okay. And uh, I've actually been noticing that it's, it's. Is it helping? Yeah, it's been quite nice. Okay. Um. So, and when I say I've started, like I literally have just started, like I'm probably three, three like dose days in. Okay. And things are kind of feeling like they're on the up and up. But right. I'm just keeping my eye on it. I, I think part of me, so, you know, most of this, there's probably some people who are tuning into this show for the first time today. If you are, welcome. Hi. Hi welcome there. to the show. Um, and if you're unfamiliar, Bridie and I have been married for, how long have we been together, babe? Been married uh, for eight years. Yeah, we just celebrated our eighth anniversary, which means we've probably been uh, an together item. Together like 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and we, we also have uh, other significant other partners. Mm. We're polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking a lot about this, and this has actually been like kind of weighing on me. Okay. Is that you and your other partner uh, are planning a nice long road trip yeah. to like Mexico. Yeah. You guys just bought a van. It's really cool. It really is cool, cool isn't it? Yeah. And then, and so that's like this winter. And Becca, my other partner, mm is planning to move to the Yellowknife for six months. <laughs> wow. To go do nursing. Right around the same time. Right around the same time. And I'm I'm kind of fucking freaking out. Really? Yes. Because <laughs> this will be the first time in a long time where I'll feel totally alone. The last time I felt that was two weeks after I asked you to marry me. But, and this is a big but, I went on a three-month 
like adventure with 16 strangers kayaking rivers through Canada, the U.S. and, and Mexico, like a whitewater kayaking trip. So like basically every day I was trying to keep myself alive, which was very exciting and and very novel and very uh, um, sort of. It was like a not not a it wasn't really reality. Like it was very much like a uh, a fantastical experience that I didn't feel like I had time to be like, oh, I feel lonely, yeah, because I was in the middle of that, and you were back here, and so so now like when you like, you know, whatever two years ago or last year you went on the a two road trip ago, like yeah. this, yeah, and. Uh, <clears throat> And that's right. I was gone for about three months, three months, but Becca was here and Becca, you know, I spent yeah. lots of time with Becca, but now you're both going for like fucking who knows how long, like maybe upwards of six months. Mm. And I'm like, what do I do? Celebrate French Mastiff day <laughs> every day. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll have Bigby. You're going to be fine. I mean, I'll be it, fine. That's easy for me to say because you, because I'm a lot less social, I think, than you. Yes. So I like. And I'm I, super needy. I, you're so needy, and I crave alone time. Um, something you don't think about when you decide you're gonna go try out polyamory is uh, yeah. where when are you gonna get your alone time? Yeah, you don't you don't get much of it. No. Um. Okay. So, um, I yeah, you'll be okay. I think it's gonna be. I remember actually another time that you felt really alone was right, right when we moved to the West Coast. Oh, yeah. And I took off for a month to go Work. run a teacher training. And yeah, you were losing it back in Salt Spring. Yeah, but you know what's funny is I think back to that time now and I think about how peaceful and beautiful that time was. Because mm. there was a lot of alone time of me just walking up Mount Erskine yeah. to the top of it with Bigby. Yeah. And back down. And the next day, go to Mount Erskine, walk all the way to the top, walk back down. And maybe loneliness is uh is a bit of a, a motivating factor for your your overall well being. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it'll be prime time to like you know, you're gonna be working so hard for the next few months that yeah. like maybe it's, but this is okay, so this is the thing. And the and now you're talking about a time where we weren't open and we were on Salt Spring and that was happening. But now we are and I'll be in a city and I feel like I'll just be like overwhelmed with like, well, I have these like, I want, I need to like, I can't lay in bed alone. I can't not snuggle up to someone or something. Uh oh, I know exactly what's gonna happen. So I'm just gonna be fucking like, I feel like I'm just gonna be my. I feel like I'm gonna get carpal tunnel from like swiping to like find people to fill the void, which does not sound healthy. <laughs> no. To me. I don't like that idea. I have an idea. What's your idea? You should get a puppy. <laughs> Fill that void with a puppy. No. Remember? Yeah, well, because when we first got um, Big B, that was a really good step towards um, taking care of wellness because you were mm -hmm. getting exercise regularly, walking the dog, you know, going to the park every day with, with, with buds and walking dogs together and stuff like that. So 
I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe you you get another French mess. Maybe I'll just adopt a kid. There you go. <laughs> Join Big Brothers Big Sisters. Be a big brother. Actually, though, I've actually I've I've wanted to do that for years. I almost did it once. Will they let you? You have a podcast about sex. Or do they? Will they screen <sighs> screen you? Oh, fuck, I don't know. They wouldn't let me on the schmashmashing schmace. <laughs> so um, maybe not. I don't know. Hey, man, I used to have a kid show. Come on. Yeah, it's true. I'm good with kids. Yeah, you are. You are. I used to have a children's television show. Award winning, might I add. And life's never been the same since. No. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, that's, well, those are great points and definitely something we should think about and talk about and plan for. Yeah. And also it makes me think about, you know, again, World Sexual Health Day. It makes me think about my sexual health. Yeah. And like how, you know, if I'm not careful, I got, I, I just... I feel like I feel like sexual health and mental health can sometimes be very linked. Totally. You know? So let me let me read um let me read you this. Okay? Okay. This is uh I know we, we were going to get into this later, but I just feel like it might help set the tone for the conversation going forward. So um so as part of this of today's episode, we we um we, I researched uh, some information um, on CCAN, which I had never heard of before. And CCAN is, let me see if I can remember this, sexual infer, no, I can't. Um, I got I to gotta freaking look at what that. It's a lot of letters. S- it's like S-I-E-C-C-A-N. And it stands for the Sex Information and Education Council of Canada. What a fucking sweet sounding council. Yeah, I agree. Who's on that? Uh, I don't know, but it's a not-for-profit charitable organization established in 1964 that works with health professionals, educators, community organizations, governments, and corporate partners to promote sexual and reproductive health. Um, when you go to their website, um, there's it's, it's a pretty sharp-looking website, which not a lot of, like, educational websites yeah, are yeah. um and it so there's an about section there's a sexual head health education section a section for resources and then there's like two call to action buttons one's for donations and one's for hpv portal so what yeah it's called the hpv portal and it's resources for educators health professionals and the public about HPV because it's the most common sexually transmitted infection in the world oh i see portal as in like uh part of the website yeah like yeah click it, here to yeah go exactly click here it's, but right. it's a full section on its own so that speaks to it, the importance you of originally it. said hpv portal and i was like is that one of the new rides at disney's <laughs> new park yeah yeah you you have to you have to ride it pantsless <laughs> everybody gets hpv from uh from it okay but um, so, so I'm, I'm scrolling down. They've just, they've pu- just published like a Canadian guideline for sexual health education, which is really interesting. I yep. wonder if anybody is implementing this. Um, and this is from, this is from like page uh, 11. Um, it says sexual health is a key component of overall health, well-being, and quality of life. It is a major determining factor in the well-being of individuals, partners, families, and communities. Furthermore, wow. the sexual health of, can- of people in Canada has important social and economic implications for the country. 
What? Therefore, the development and implementation of comprehensive sexual health education aimed at enhancing sexual health and well-being and preventing outcomes that negatively impact sexual health should be a public policy priority. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, think about, like, you know, if we had, like, a like an AIDS outbreak. Yeah. That's going to have some pretty fucking profound effects on the country and the way that we interact with one another and the way that we go about our day to day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so then then it says the World Health Organization, big, big deal. Who? Um, who defines health as a state of complete. Uh, OK, defines health as a state of complete physical, mental and social well-being. OK, and then it goes on to say. Sexuality is a central aspect of being human throughout life and encompasses sex, gender identities and roles, sexual orientation, eroticism, pleasure, intimacy, and reproduction. Sexuality is experienced and expressed in thoughts, fantasies, desires, beliefs, attitudes, values, behaviors, practices, roles, and relationships. While sexuality can include all of these dimensions, not all of them are always experienced or expressed. Sexuality is influenced by the interaction of biological, psychological, social, economic, political, cultural, ethical, legal, historical, religious, and spiritual factors. Jesus. Yes, sexual health is a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It is not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infirmity. Sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships, as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences free of coercion, discrimination, and violence. Hmm. This document is very uplifting. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. I like what Secan's up to. Yeah, I like it too. Uh, um, I mean, kind of, kind of cool. That's part of what we're doing today with this episode is is uh, directly in line with the research that that Secan has been doing. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me feel like um, like I was saying earlier. I don't feel great mentally. And so I'm, you know, I'm dabbling with this like microdosing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't feel like my, my sex life is like my, I don't feel like my, the way I relate to my sexual well-being right now is like great. And uh, clearly those two things are linked. Yeah. You know what might help? Why? Masturbating. Jerking off. Yeah. Yeah. In this, uh, in this research that, um, they just so Secan just conducted some some research uh, in partnership with Trojan and the University of Guelph, and one of the things that really blew my mind from their statistics was that, like all arrows point to masturbation as being a really important part of feeling overall wellness in your sexual health life. Like mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's like you hear a lot about. Um, people not masturbating or people only masturbating to like to porn and not being able to like relate to actual people or they're masturbating and feeling like guilty about it or you know whatever but um this the, the some of the things that i read in this in this in this in the statistics were were that actually cup like people who yeah who are who are masturbating regularly generally report more sexual satisfaction overall in their lives yeah that's really cool yeah was there a thing in there about like about like mindful masturbation though 
mindful masturbation yeah because like because you know what i think that sometimes like for men in particular and i'm i'm saying this because i'm speaking as as a man um sometimes like masturbation's like a oh god i gotta get like gotta fucking rub this out real quick and then get on with my day as opposed to being like i'm gonna lay down i'm gonna like lube up my, my hands silk sheets on the bed and i get the phillips hue turn to the perfect hue of purple put on some whatever, ambient you know, music put on yeah well yeah maybe some ambient music you know find my favorite video or audio mm-hmm. and then just give her for a good 20 minutes mm-hmm. why are you laughing at 20 minutes it takes me like at least 20 minutes Tw- well what i'm saying is 20 minutes for, for for me it would be a long time right for a spank Right. Okay. Well, yes. So what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is like, there's a difference. I think there's a difference between just, just straight up throwing out the word masturbation. Yeah. And, and sort of masturbating with like. Just jerk off. Masturbating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you can masturbate with the intention of going, I'm going to make myself feel really good. Yeah. Or I think a lot of people sometimes will just masturbate with the intention of going, just like, like a fart. Yeah. It's like, I got to release this, this thing and well, I'm just totally. going to do it. Whereas like, you know, if you really lean into a fart. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, I think it's the same thing with, it's the same. So, so. And there were some things in that's in those studies that actually were like kind of, um, pointing to that actually. Well, right? I, like the, the, if you, if you found your last masturbation, very pleasurable, then I'm probably butchering it. There, there was something in there. Well, I, I wonder if what you're referring to is um, this whole the whole like infographic that they published starts off the like one of the first things it says on it is practicing self care is an important part of our daily routine. So, Matt, they're they're referring to masturbation as self care, and mm. so I think that any type of self care um, is great. Probably, like yoga, it's it's most beneficial. It has the most impact on your, on, on you when you are present, like when you are right. focused on what you're doing, when you have when you're doing it with an intention, because it's the same thing. Like while you're talking about masturbating, like you know, taking that time or just banging it out, like it's the same thing with eating. It's like if you take time with your food, right, and you are really involved with the preparing of your food and you're really present for the consuming of your food, then you're ultimately going to have a much healthier relationship with your food. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wish we could all have some kind of mindfulness practice like that, whether it's food or whether it's masturbating or you know, sex can be really like that too with another person or other mm-hmm. people. Like really experiences um, that are, you know, done with intention that help us like transcend some of this fucking stress that we're carrying around all the time. Yeah. Good point, babe. Thanks. Uh, I- um, <laughs> do you want to throw it to the brain boner? I feel like this is kind of a good time to bring up that brain boner because... 
Um, it's sort of in line with what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Hey, he, do you hear that? Oh, I guess you don't really hear it. There's like a difference from one side to the mic to oh, the other side. Yeah. Is there like bubble gum stuck to one side? I don't know, man. I got to get this mic figured out. It's like having bubble gum stuck in your pubes. Sorry, someone... sorry to anyone listening going, why does Jeremy, why does the sound just all fucky? Oh. Also, uh, sorry for anyone who downloaded last week's episode and it got cut off. I took care of that problem. The full episode is up? Uh, yeah. So what you do is you go back, you delete the episode, re-download it. It should work. Okay, great. Because yeah. it's such a good episode. It really was. Uh, let's hit this brain boner. Okay, so the subject of this email um, is reaching orgasm. Okay. Uh, hey, Jeremy and Bridie. I'm going to skip through the, the first few lines, but how... Uh, no, I won't. In the last two months, I have been uh, introduced and listened to most of your podcasts. I absolutely love how comfortable you are about talking and addressing anything and everything that has to do with sex. From multiple partners, experimenting with toys, to types of bonding, and the episode titled Stifler's Mom, it makes it so much easier for people to feel comfortable talking about sex in their own lives, myself included. Now, on to my brain boner question I have for the both of you. I am a 22-year-old woman and have been with both sexes, casually and in more serious relationships. I'm also a fan of self-pleasure and have very erotic dreams. That being said, I have never been able to reach a full orgasm with any of my partners or myself. I've read a bunch on it, tried different toys, positions, and so on, but still can never reach full climax. Do you have any advice or tips on how I can make my way there? It would be much appreciated. Sincerely, just a girl who wants to orgasm. So, um... The first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, like, physiologically, maybe there's something going on there that is actually stopping you from reaching orgasm. And I've ha been having a lot of conversations lately with people about the pelvic floor and mm. what pelvic floor physiotherapy can do to help people who are dealing with anything going on in that region. Yeah. And that would be my suggestion. I would say, because you don't need a referral, you can just walk into a physiotherapist's office and book an appointment. Um, not any physiotherapist. It's a very, very specified physiotherapist. So like yeah. you'd have to do a little bit of research in your town um, it, you know, we don't, I don't, I have no idea where this person is from. They never revealed that. But if you are in Halifax, there is, there are a couple. a couple in Halifax. Yeah. There's Stephanie Brown and Francesca. I'm going to butcher her last name. I can't remember. It starts with a, I think it's a, a check. But I'm sure if you looked up Francesca yeah. pelvic floor physiotherapy, yeah. you'd find it. Yeah. And they're both great. And they, one thing that I really love about, um, uh, physiotherapy in general is that they have you get it's a lot of work you have to kind of do on your own like you get sent home with exercises and things like that so it is really empowering to get you know in charge of your own of your own body and to be able to to to, to I don't know just incorporate those exercises mm -hmm. and, stuff. and it it because the thing is is it may not be what you think we hear about like weak pelvic floor but then there's tight pelvic floor mm -hmm. there, there it's a muscle right and then and, and uh, or several muscles I can't remember but 
it's a super important part of the body, the pelvic floor, and, and you almost never hear anybody talking about it, except for maybe in yoga circles. We talk about it a lot in Pilates, too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, pelvic floor physiotherapy, I I have never personally done it, but I've done interviews with a couple of physiotherapists, and they, it's it sounds like it, it could be really beneficial to a lot of people. Yeah. I would say I would I would echo that exact uh, piece of advice. The other thing I would also say too is that you know, and this is this might be an answer that you don't want to hear, um, but like in the pursuit of trying to figure this out, I think it's it's also just as important to like really not get caught up in, um, in putting pressure on yourself or on partners to to like make an orgasm be the final destination of of your sexual play or your sexual exploration because and and you know we've heard this enough and we've heard this a lot and and we've fucking been through that rigmarole uh where that added pressure on on either end, whether it's the the person who is trying to achieve climax or the person who's trying to help someone to achieve climax, oftentimes can really like just bungle up an entire yeah. experience. Yeah. And so putting less pressure on the orgasm and just allowing and and fully like accepting the 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 pleasure that exists within the entire experience whether mm-hmm. or not there's whether or not you come at the end yeah. you know just really taking taking that 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 moment that bubble of of sexual pleasure and really allowing yourself to go there without focusing on the the you know it's about the journey not the destination right? exactly some, yeah. some saying like that no, right i was yeah, i was yeah it's like it's um our friend tia larkin who um she's like a like a sexual counselor i guess yeah um she she posted something the other day on uh, social media about like goal-oriented sex mm. being i think which is i think what you're talking about totally um and 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 listener who wrote in that question, it does sound like you're really into experimenting and playfulness and, yeah. and so like keep doing what you're doing. But then of course to anybody who's listening, who, who is caught up in that goal oriented, um, sex that, you know, it, it, that might be nice for you to hear too, is, is it the pleasure is not contained in the orgasm. The pleasure is all through. It's the entire experience. Yeah. Yeah. And the mindfulness too. There's yeah. A, you can experience pleasure go. when you're, when you're present, and if if you're not in your head about the goal. Uh, cool. Well, do you wanna do you wanna throw it to this week's very special episode? I loved this conversation. Dude, Doctor T is my fucking jam. Yeah, I agree. I just, I. At one point, I, I think he referred to himself as like the uh, Doctor Sue, <laughs> yeah, and right. uh, and I would watch that show. I would watch that late night talk show with Doctor T yeah. as the host. Oh man, yeah, for sure. Doctor T needs his own podcast. I think a hundred percent. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think you're going to really enjoy this. We we had re- a lot of fun chatting with him and we played a little game and we, we had a lot of laughs and uh, we're talking about um, a lot of people submitted questions for this episode. Uh, we advertised we were taking questions for the doctor and uh, a surprising, uh, surprising to me, but not at all surprising to him, so many of them were about HPV. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so again, this is uh, an episode that is brought to you in part by Secan and Trojan, um, and uh, we hope you fall in love with Dr. T just as much as we did. And uh, we'll be back after the after the interview uh, just to wrap things up. Uh, so enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. Use a term I've never heard before. Natal male. What's what's that? Yes, mean? it's inclusive of um, gender diverse individuals. Oh, okay. Who have transitioned but still have uh, essentially mostly a male body, so they were born with their ma- their body mm. of a male body, but they've mid transitioned to female and so outwardly they manifest as and as females but essentially if you were to take their clothes off they still have the, ge- oh, the male genital organs to learn. Yeah, fascinating um uh so i well i guess now that you know we're kind of i feel like we're already kind of in it uh but before we get t- before we get too far <laughs> uh why don't dr t why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners uh for those those at home who who aren't familiar with you and your work Okay. Uh, well, I'm a family physician, and I work in Montreal. And um, up until very recently, I was director of student health at McGill and was for quite a while, uh, where we did a lot of health promotion and health education within the campus uh, and developed a variety of uh, teaching stool- tools. Sorry, not stools. That's not particularly good. <laughs> and um, these were um, online. Uh, they've been taken because they offline because they were revised after I left and I didn't like the edits, so um, we'd remove these from the the uh, um, the website. Subsequently, during that time, also we had Ask Doctor T, which is um, essentially what it states. People could send in um, questions online, and we would answer them. Uh, we, because um, I didn't answer all of them, some of them were done by some of the students that worked with me, and I edited them, and, and uh, we published them back to uh, the site, and people could read them. And we got people from all over the world, actually, who were writing in to ask a variety of questions that related to sexual health, not specifically to STIs, but to sexual health in general. Um other than that, I work at a youth center uh, where I think the term natal male does not necessarily come from, but my use of it comes from because at that group, at that clinic, which is called Head in Hands, um, which is a freestanding clinic, which 
is sort of a few, one of the few across Canada that still exists. And um, we see a lot, or I take care of a lot of transgendered folks. Well, I, I love this uh, this idea of, of Ask Dr. T. Um, and, uh, you know, we knew that we were going to be sitting down and, and chatting with you today um, about mm -hmm. a, a host, you know, the, a, a whole whack of different things. But we knew um, before coming in, you know, we have a pretty engaged audience and and they they constantly reach out to Bridie and myself uh, with their own questions and, and you know, seeking advice. And I'll be the first to say that, uh, you know, we don't have um, well, in, in terms of like what we have for credentials, uh, none. We don't have any. Uh, however, we, we do love offering our own advice, like, you know, as friends. But um, since we got you on the line, I figured it would be a really great opportunity for us to throw some questions that we actually got from our listeners, um, knowing that they were going to be asking those questions to Dr. T. Um, so sure. how do you, yeah, you feel, you feel good about it, like answering a couple questions that, that uh, kind of like relieves yeah. Bridie and I of our, of our, uh, <laughs> of our, our it, duty. These, this is a list of windows that, that falls outside of even well, I, our very <laughs> skewed yeah. uh, level of advice. Well, you have experience that I don't have, which is, which is incredible. That's yeah, we do. The uh, whole aspect of your open relationship. Mm -hmm. which yes. Is great. Yeah. Uh, right. I presume that you must have discussed that with your listeners uh, and much. what's involved in that. We've talked um, about it a number I mean, of times. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I feel like they might be getting sick of it by this, by this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let, let's throw it to the first question here. Do you, Brad, do you want to do you want to hit it? Um, yeah. Um, we're going to leave all these questions anonymous. They came in from a number of our listeners through uh, through our Instagram and through our email. Um, so, Bridie, let's hit Dr. T with the first one. Okay. Uh, this question uh, is, well, it's a statement. I would like to know more about HPV and how long the treatment can be, for example, after a laser treatment. Okay. Well, HPV stands for human papillomavirus. It is, in fact, something that um, has been studied for a while now, but it is relatively new mm. as um, the sort of the study of SDIs are in more in depth um, on in in the field and in fact we at McGill and I'm part of that team have been conducting studies on this um, in youth for I guess about 10-15 years now and published a variety of papers on this subject so HPV is a virus uh, and something that's difficult to treat because there's no uh, available treatment for viruses in general. Uh, they can be managed, but so they cannot frequently be gotten rid of. And usually it's left to the body to mount a defense mechanism, which it does in the case of HPV in many instances. Uh, it's transmitted through contacts, so you don't need to have penetration. You can have... Uh, just somebody drubbing one's genitalia against the other, and that could be sufficient to transmit it externally. You can have people, um, for example, if two women are having sex and there's lots of secretion and there's fingers that are inserted back and forth within a vagina, that can be transmitted that way. It can be transmitted through oral sex. And in fact, people do get uh, cancer of, um, of the throat 
in some instances. And um, so these, this is sort of more or less how the virus is transmitted. It causes a variety of things. Um, so one, and one of the things it does cause is gentle warts, which are these ugly little things that sort of grow on the outside of the genitals. Um, though most people ate them and sort of freak out when we diagnose them with it, they're not a big deal. Uh, they're just a visible sort of marker that somebody has an STI, which psychologically does cause a lot of issues with some people. Mm. More importantly, it leads to cancer of a variety of parts of the genitalia more commonly and where the studies started with cancer of the cervix, but there's also cancer of the anus, cancer of the penis, cancer of the throat, as I mentioned. And those are the ones that we really are concerned about. And more often than not, those are not visible. Um, the wart, the virus strains, because there's like over a hundred of these different types of viruses, um, are um, kind of travel together. And the ones that cause genital warts do not necessarily cause cancer, or most often do not. But they are usually accompanied by others that do. Now, the good thing about it is that there is a vaccine to prevent it. And we, we've already been seeing the impact of the systematic vaccination of many individuals. Uh, just clinically, like in my office, I now very rarely see people coming in to get treated for gentle warts. Whereas before, I always had, you know, a few people gone going where we were treating. And the treatment was essentially one where we would um, burn the wart so that it would disappear. Um, the physical wart would disappear. We would burn it either with uh, chemicals, electricity, uh, liquid nitrogen. But once the wart if you was burn gone, it, off, it Dr. T. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, I, I, for cutting you off. I was I was wondering if you if you burn it off, does it mean that like couldn't That's the warts just, just a come? Symptom, yeah, couldn't it? the warts come back again? You know, it sure can because in fact, the wart is just itself is what is gone. The virus is not gone. And that's something that has to occur mm -hmm. within the body. Because most people, I think, I think I know, within a matter of uh, six months to about two years, will rid themselves of this virus. So, you know, what happens is the body does rid itself. There's a small percentage of people who don't. And those are the people that we worry about because they're the people who could not, if they pick up the virus strains that cause cancer that don't and can develop cancer. Now, those people who have picked up the strains that cause cancer will uh, manifest status changes on the cervix in the case of women. And that's the only thing that we have to screen. We don't have a screen screening test for men at this point. For women, we can either look for changes on the cervix using a pap smear, or we can either look to detect with a special test the virus in the cervix. And then if these eye strains or these strains that cause cancer are there and are causing an advanced form of change, then they are treated using a variety of, of uh, treatment again and one of the one was mentioned, which is laser therapy. Part of it sometimes is just cutting out mm -hmm. the area that's been infected. 
And that treatment will take sometimes a few weeks to heal. Um, it will cause some pain when initially done. And then the discharge is, um, there's a discharge that occurs for a few weeks. Then there's a follow-up that needs to be done because again, it doesn't necessarily kill the virus. So we then follow up to see whether or not one, the changes come back, or two, the virus itself can come back in the cervix, uh, if it's in the cervix. Otherwise, in other um, areas of the body, there's no commercially available tests at this point. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that, there's a lot there. And it's what's really interesting is that, you know, our next question is another HPV one. Um, but I feel like out of a lot of what you said, you, you sort of you sort of answered it, and it, it, I was surprised by the amount of HPV questions that we actually got from our listeners. Um, Which must mean it's it's very common. I've had that you, shot. Yeah. Well, the other it, thing it, that you know, it, it is extremely common. It's expect it's it's estimated that eighty percent of people will have during their life the inf an infection with HPV. That is a massive number. I know. And in the study that we did at the time in the study, the group, there was about 50 to 60% of those people were infected, which means that, you know, if you're going to have sex, you're very likely to pick it up. Yeah. Mm. Hey, is it like, okay, I, I don't really know how to ask this question, but like, go for it. Do we, do, do we know how, like when HPV started to, present itself like like is there is there an idea of how long hpv has been around oh like, is it new it, is it new no. to us or is, has it been around for a long long time god knows i don't know what the history is but i know that when i was young because <laughs> i can say that <laughs> right. Um, right. i mean i was around pre hiv that's how you know aged i am mm -hmm. i'm kind of like dr ruth from a male perspective <laughs> And, uh, but there was a lot of warts and it was especially common amongst men who were having sex with men. Uh, so it was around like in the sixties and fifties and, and people didn't really see a particular link with anything that was happening. So it was just a bother. Eventually when people started looking for a cause of cervical cancer, and they looked at the role of a variety of viruses and other substances, but they specifically looked at HPV and they also looked at herpes and whether herpes had a role. This is when it was discovered that HPV was a causative factor of many cancers. And hence, wow. the amount of studies that have gone up have been done since then to sort of get us to know more about this virus. Right, right. Now, part HPV. of it is that uh, uh, the technology wasn't around. Now there's more technology. Right, of course. Right. And developing all the time because, you know, right. one of the questions was like, why don't we have better tests? So I guess that's the answer is we're, we're still figuring it out. Well, we do have a test that um, is easier to do, which is, as I mentioned, the detection of the virus itself or um, the parts of the virus because it's not that we look for the virus like a 
like a culture that we do with bacteria. We don't take the sample and make it grow on a medium. What it is is that we look and try to identify certain parts of the virus that are done uh, using uh, a matching sort of system. And, um, and those parts are identified. It's more or less how um, the HIV test is run. Um, so it's very similar in that way. Uh, because the fourth generation HIV tests also look for viral particles, which is why we can now get uh, HIV results much faster than, or reliable results much faster than we could in the past. Uh, so those tests are useful, but they're only useful in women. And there hasn't been anything commercially developed for men. Not that it can't be done. We do them within our studies. Um, but it isn't done it isn't available commercially. It cannot be easily done as it is with women. Turn me on. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, all right. Well, moving on to uh, uh, a question that we get a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we get a lot. Um, uh, and actually, this is this is one that that you know this subject comes up a lot on the show and with our guests and between Bridie and I and between our our our, our guests that we have and our, our listeners. Um, but I feel like this is a good one to bring up for you with you, Doctor T. Uh, how do you best manage safe sex? in a group sex environment? Um, you mean other than a total latex and, or uh, bodysuit designed by Thierry, Thierry Mueller <laughs> Um uh, I'm not quite sure. Yes, aside from that. <laughs> well, that, I mean, yeah, like it's it seems like it's a pretty daunting task or, I, I mean, a, a task that would be extremely challenging Considering, you know, considering even what you just said about the HPV. Right. With two women having sex with secretions and fingers going from one place to the other. It's like, well, right there, you, you're, you've, you've got yourself into a bit of a pickle. Exactly. So add another, you know, add another body or two 
and add more orifices and more secretions and more hands, um, it does seem like it. It's it's a pretty. I think just lots of bottles of hand sanitizer, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I guess the beginning is to look at uh, polyurethane or com or, or or latex condoms, sort of, you know, like trojans um so because that's what mm-hmm. we used to call them when we were kids trojans uh, they will protect mm-hmm. somewhat uh they certainly will protect between a penis going into an orifice usually they're worn if they're going into a vagina or in an, an anus honestly it should also be um used if you're going to have oral sex but i am still looking for the one patient who can tell me that they use condoms for oral sex um, because i want to know how they've managed to do that and convince their partner but there you go i've done it i've done it once dr t you have Um, but it was yeah i have but you know what it was um it was with a sex worker and and so um so in that scenario it was it was like protocol for for the uh, I don't know how other how, how else to put it other than it was a rub and tug. So it was like pro- <laughs> protocol for that for that um, facility. that facility that they used uh, uh, oral they used condoms for oral sex. So how do you um, make it? But any other time I've how do you make it palatable? How do you encourage people to do it? Well, I guess one thing I could say is that. When um, this person uh, used the condom on me for the oral sex, in the beginning, I was going, oh, I guess this probably isn't going to be that great. And then um, uh, when we went ahead with the business and the transaction was complete uh, and I was, you know, taking my receipt and walking out, I thought to myself, that was actually pretty fantastic. Um, the, the condom really didn't uh, take away from the pleasure that was experienced within that, within that experience. So, I mean, I guess that's one thing I could say to, you know, try to help promote the use of, of condoms when it comes to oral sex is that it's, if you're, if you're feeling like it's not going to feel good, um, don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. Well, it's not only feeling, I mean, how does it taste? (laughs) Have you ever tasted a condom? I have just because I was, I I haven't, I haven't, but but the condom that she used was a, we used to line them the condom up. she used was a dry condom. Oh, really? It was like a. It, there was no lube. Yeah, there was no lubrication to mm-hmm. it. It was. Um, it was like specifically like dried to, I think for like to insert into somebody else's mouth. Oh, okay. so you know you don't get you you don't get that like the spermicide lube. tasty kind of luby rubbery thing. Right. <clears throat> so that would be the kind of stuff that you want to look for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because those things are important, basically, because, um, you know, condoms are just uh, a great way to prevent the transmission of chlamydia and gonorrhea. And both of those are the most common reportable sexually transmitted infections around. They're epidemic in young people. They're, you know, sky high, the number of young people who get infected with these organisms. And condoms are very good to protect against both of those infections so that would be and we were discussing even before we recorded that uh that apparently 
somewhere in the states. Uh, was it chlamydia or gonorrhea? Has it, it was is, gonorrhea? There's a there's a mm-hmm. gonorrhea has been. Um, they're starting to see traces of it where it's it's resistant to antibiotics? Yes, it was resistant to the antibiotic that we're using. We were just waiting for that to happen uh, because gonorrhea is a bit of a nasty bacteria that sort of seems to come up with resistance on a regular basis. Uh, it's, beca- it's been resistant or developed resistance to most antibiotics that we were commonly using. Uh, so it's hard to kind of manage it. Um, if you get it, but at this point, we still have uh, one of the products, which is injectable and called ceftriaxone, that is still quite reliable. But there are a few cases that have come up. But also, what was important about these particular cases is that they were the bacteria, and there are some gonorrheas that are kind of stronger, shall I say, than other gonorrhea strains. And these gonorrhea strains mm-hmm. are causing uh, whole body infections as opposed to just penises or throats or anuses. So they weren't, they weren't localized. And we know that does occur, that there are some stronger strains than others. But we don't have that much more information than that. It's like the vaping thing that we hear about right now, where we know people right, are having right, right. issues. It's, it's all just, yeah. But we don't know why. Yeah, it's all starting to present itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um uh, oh, can I, there's, there's, there's one there's more another, question. Uh, it's a real. Sh- let me finish. First of all, next <clears throat> oh, week yeah, sure. you should get vaccinated for HPV. You should get vaccinated for hepatitis right. B uh, if you're going to have sex in a group because uh, you're considered a rest group. And most places across Canada, that would be free. Uh, the other thing is to think, think about PrEP or PEP if you're not using condoms. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, and for listeners who don't know what PrEP is, can you remind them? Yeah, PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is essentially taking a medication uh, which is uh, used to treat uh, HIV, and it decreases uh, the transmission and protects you more or less from picking up the virus. Um, now, more and more people are treated who are HIV carriers with a, a variety of other medication, and their viral loads are very low. And it's been shown that these people are less likely to transmit the virus as well. But if you don't know who you're having sex with, taking the PrEP pills are a very effective way to prevent transmission. You can also do it like the morning after pill, which is called post-exposure pr- prophylaxis and that's also helpful um though sometimes that means a little bit more running around uh oh my god the condom broke let's go find some medication somewhere Mm. is there a clinic open on sunday that i can go find something um so by using Mm -hmm. it on a regular basis uh because prep can be done in two ways it can be done by taking daily medication or taking um as a um, one time, sort of not one time shot because it's several days. But let's say you're planning to attend this party where there's going to be multiple individuals. Well, you can start a few days before and you continue a few days after, and you'll be protected. So that's something that you can discuss oh, with your doctor. Hmm. Now, not all doctors feel comfortable okay. well, with it, but those are things that you can think y- of yeah, in group right. sex. Mm hmm. Uh, I think all that's pretty pretty valuable. I, I, I mean, 
That's great. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm going to probably incorporate some of that more, <laughs> more some of that into my life. Um, uh, we, we've had a, a number of other questions, but for the sake of time, uh, I, I'd like to move on now to like a quick little game, mm-hmm. uh, basically like a, a rapid fire true or false. Um, and most of the questions that we have in this true or false um, are questions that we sort of pulled from some of the research by the Sex Information and Education Council of Canada, CK. Right. Uh, with in partnership with Trojan and the University of Guelph, um, so basically we're going to ask you a, a a myth or a question, and you give us a, a your your opinion on whether or not it's true or false, and we'll see if we can stump you. <laughs> I I highly doubt <laughs> that we can based on this conversation so far. Um, okay, I I want to you want to start it off. This one. Okay. okay, women are more likely than men to find masturbation pleasurable true or false that actually based on that survey was true isn't that isn't that interesting however we always mm-hmm. always think always think that women do not masturbate um, and they do and they should yeah. they should to discover Apparently. what their body is about <laughs> not only for choice for for um, not only for pleasure but only f- also find out Gee, what part of their body do they enjoy being stimulated? Is it fun for them to have mm-hmm. their clitoris stimulated? Do they like to have some other part of their body stimulated? The opening to their vagina, for example. Can they find their G-spot? Can they tell their partner where that is? Um, that, you know, I mm-hmm. think that's so cool that you could sort of just sort of explore and figure it out. I mean, when you're a guy, you've got something in your hand and you stroke it and that's it. But there's much what, more it, women. What's the deal with? <laughs> yeah, what's the deal with guys feeling like you know that you know how sometimes you you'll hear guys talk about how they just feel gross, like ashamed. after yeah, shamed after they masturbated. What what's the deal with that? The church. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The church. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> that's a true mid, statement. Uh, Midwestern okay, so, people so th- of the United <laughs> States. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, according to the Trojan stats, uh, while men are almost two times more likely to report masturbating at least once a week uh, than, than women, so 65% versus 35%, women were more likely to report their last masturbation was very pleasurable, 30%. 38% of women versus 29% of the men. The other, the other, the other 80, 81, no, 79% of men are just sitting around feeling totally ashamed. Just, yeah, just feeling like a, just a worthless animal after <laughs> they, after they've rubbed one out. Um, uh, so our next, our next one here is, uh, uh, masturbating is for people who are unhappy with their sex lives. Yeah. True or false? No, that's false. It can supplement your sex life. Totally. It could be an integral part of your mm-hmm. sex life. Um, you know, some people uh, use it as a way to sort of uh, get themselves excited. And, um, and it's an opportunity, for example, to able to say, well, you know, just touch me there. I like it. Uh, or touch me there. Mm-hmm. And you only find that out either by happenstance if you're having sex with somebody else or if you explore your body. So yeah, it's. I don't think right. so. That's right. 
And the the Trojan stat that went along with that one is uh, 47% of women and 39% of men who said their last masturbation was more pleasurable also said they were happier overall with their sexual lives. Well, yeah. Interesting stuff. And I think because they know their body better. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think... They uh, all, Brad, you want to hit the they next also, one? They also probably, probably feel more comfortable with themselves. Mm. There's like a certain level of comfort yeah. you would have with just communicating. Yes, about exactly. Yeah, totally. Okay, so next is... Um, um, if a man enjoys masturbation, he's more likely to have trouble communicating about sex, which I think we we just <laughs> true or false. I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of like the 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 person who claims to be addicted to porn. They're not interested in sex because they're jerking off all the time. You know that story. Mm. We hear mm-hmm. that a lot. Mm-hmm. At least this is what they communicate to the partners who then write to us and say, "My boyfriend says he's addicted to porn." Mm. Well, um, okay. I would say that that is false. I would say that. Ding ding yeah. ding! Am I wrong? <laughs> I no, no you're right. Yeah, it. nailed it. I mean, yeah, people can be quotes and quotes addicted to porn and uh, masturbate, but you know they're watching sex. They're enjoying that aspect of it, so they're more visual then they are in some way physical. So maybe they should change what they do when they're having sex so they can see their partner better, maybe turn on the lights or things of that nature, Mm. you know, so that they are much more aware of what they're doing. And that can be then more pleasurable or gee, have the partner do a little strip show for them. Uh, That may be interesting. That may be fun. It's a matter of just thinking about Mm -hmm. what you do and it's within couples it's a matter of also discussing and saying well what do you like Mm -hmm. um you know are we supposed to know automatically what the other person wants we don't know that so we should be talking none of us are mind readers yeah yeah the only yeah no um okay well we've got two more um this one this one might be a bit of a hard one uh, which one? Which one are you pointing at? Brian? I was thinking you should ask. This yeah. One. Okay. So so here we go. This one here. This is this is gonna be a tough one for you. <laughs> you you can get herpes from a toilet seat. True or false? Uh, that's kind of false, and that that's uh-huh. the reason is that um, the toilet. And I'd say kind is because there is a possibility in some instances of picking it up for something like a hot tub. Because if you're sitting on the side oh. of a hot tub, the water is hot. And so it maintains the same body environment. Mm. However, there's a hell of a lot of chlorine. And that would do the virus in. Right. So probably not. Now, if someone wasn't taking care of their hot tub and cleaning it with chlorine regularly, um, then maybe, maybe, there's, maybe there's a little bit more of a chance in the hot tub. Yeah, then on the toilet. I mean, unless you're kind of like, um, yeah. You know, the person is sitting, has got raging lesions, sits on the toilet seat, and you come along and say, get off the toilet and sit down and start rubbing on the seat. Very unlikely. Right. Yeah, and you're right. And I've only done that twice. So, I mean, you know. 
Because these, un- oh, man. unfortunately, Raging. these or, or unfortunately or fortunately, unfortunately for them, um, they are very sensitive to not being at body temperature and but being in an external right. environment. Yeah, it, that's an interesting point about the hot tub. I never really thought about that because, I mean, it is kind of similar to it, you know, a hot mucous membrane, you know, it, it, internal body sort of environment. More so. or less. Anyway, I, I, there, there's a there's a sex club um, in a city that I know about uh, that I've been to a couple of times and they have a hot tub in there and I've never... It, I've never. It just kind of made me. Uh, it, it's. I don't have an appetite for that uh, <laughs> idea of getting into the hot tub in the sex you know, club. It's like a germ. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns with that one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I may uh, have missed the boat on making a joke about this, but raging lesions is probably the name of my my heavy metal band. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right, all right. We got one more here. One more question. Uh, Brady, if you want to hit hit Doctor T with it, okay. This one's a little bit harder because I it's like one of those instances <laughs> where I just you know we'll see. Okay, over fifty percent of men and women are enhancing their masturbation with lubrication. Over fifty. Oh, I don't know, but they should. I would. Why? Okay, so a, a, the question sorry. is over fifty percent. I don't know that statistics, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that they should. Because it does help uh, remove mm-hmm. things like friction burn on one's penis, uh, which makes things mm-hmm. unpleasurable. Uh, it makes, uh, yeah, I think it just is, makes it less likely that you will develop some sort of side effects that are less than pleasant. Well, unfortunately, the Trojan stat reveals that only 17% of men and 10% of women are enhancing their masturbation. Well, maybe they should try. I think there's... Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's I, been I would a, say so. A lot of... Um, we have, we have I'd probably say, a handful of listeners have written in and, and it, with advice on getting their partner to to use lubrication or to accept lubrication as as something other than an insult to their ability to turn their partner on mm. it's a it, well pretty pretty uh fragile egos i'm calling names yeah, i'm yeah, calling most, names most definitely <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to have a whole a whole category of things that fall under fragile egos and uh, <laughs> and, and base some of our advice on that. But um, I think those are all of our. So the, I think the jelly is very good, and and it brings up another topic, which is interesting. As part of our HPV talk before, one of the hmm. studies that we're doing is looking at uh, a lubricant which has something called carrageenan in it. It isn't available yet commercially. Carrageenan, you'll find it's a preservative. You'll find it in, you pick up a jar of mint jelly, apparently, and it's in large concentration in mint jelly. But it looks like it may, to some extent, prevent the transmission of HPV. Not absolutely. I wouldn't depend on that, but Whoa. it may, be, may have a role. Wow. Interesting. I, I'm going to keep my ear to the ground about that. And because, and, uh, you know, 
who knows? Or your penis into jelly. A few years, five, ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Doctor T, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I'm so glad that we were able to to get you on the phone and uh, and to take advantage of your your knowledge for for all of our listeners out there. And um, and yeah, I'm, I I hope next time we're if we're back in Montreal for for uh, a show, we could uh, sit you down in the studio or maybe even a, a live performance. Who knows? I feel like that could be fun. Be I've done, that's what I used to do on campus. We used to train um, floor fellows and other group leaders. And that's what I would do is I would just give them out cards and say, write your questions anonymously, and we would just answer them. Amazing. Yeah. That's right up our alley. Um, well, again, thank you, Dr. T. Thank you so much uh, for for sitting with us today. And uh, and we'll we'll be talking to you soon. You're welcome. My pleasure. Wasn't that fun? Boy, I, I mean, doctor, again, Dr. T, like, get that guy a fucking podcast already. I love his laugh. I know, me his too. His laugh just, I just was yeah. like, made me just feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he was really great. And, uh, lot, you know, I feel like I came, uh, came away with a lot there. Learned a lot. Learned mm-hmm. a lot about HPV. Feeling a little bit, feeling even a little better now about my own sexual health and, and my overall well-being and my own mental health, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see to see where where this goes. I want to talk to more more doctors. Me too. And here, you know what? Listen, uh, if you were listening to that and you felt like, hey, I you know I have a question, and I I, I really wish that there was an opportunity for them to dive into that uh, for me. Send your questions over to us uh, because we we do have some you know some shows lined up in the future where we're going to be talking some some pretty interesting and, and educated people. So you can always hit us with your brain boners or, or questions in general at um, turnmeonpodcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I, I feel I feel pretty good about uh, World Sexual Health Day right now. I do too. And hey, if you're listening um, and you've gotten this far, go, go out today and have some really safe, consensual, wonderful, pleasurable sex. <laughs> That's a great idea. And, and, t- so, and tell them we sent you. And make every day World Sexual Health Day. That's right, because it's just like World French Bigby Day. <laughs> it's it's every day. It's the every day that you want it to be. Um, uh, that is it for this week. Um, and hey, if you want to support what we're up to, you can always do that over at tur- uh, uh, patreon.com slash turn me on. That's going to keep us going while we are... Miles and miles and miles apart over this winter. We didn't talk about what what we're gonna do. Yeah, I know we should do that. Yeah, well, let's not talk about it on air. Okay, we don't want to air our our our. It's, well, it's not really dirty laundry. Our you know our wrinkled laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you fold the laundry again? Yeah. Um, and uh, again, you can hit us up uh, info at t- turn me on. Oh, fuck, 
Jesus Christ. Brady, help me. <laughs> you can hit us up at turnmeonpodcast.com. That's our website. You can yeah. submit to be a guest or you can submit your brain boners there. Oh, uh, turnmeonpodcast.com slash shows. We got some shows coming up. We sure uh, do. Toronto. Toronto and Ottawa. So yes, we do. Tickets are on sale for both of those. And uh, and and Instagram. Uh, we put your butts up there. Go to uh, at, at turnmeonpodcast on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> that is it for this week. Until next week. Go fuck yourself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.